We're joined this week by Magnus from the Switch band Eclipse, um, talking about their his his latest their latest album Wise. Uh, check it out, really cool, uh, really cool album. Uh, Magnus is a great guy, um, and uh, he kind of hails from the same kind of background in music as Nicholas and myself do. So we had uh, lots to talk about, whether it's ACDC or, or whatever, uh, Europe, Bay Malmsteen. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. It's Magnus from Eclipse about their latest record, Wise. Thanks for your time, man. Really cool. Thanks for jumping on um, behind the vinyl. We're just kind of going to dig around a little bit into you, into your career, into your influences and um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sounds awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Definitely. Um, I think one of the big surprises for maybe some people, maybe maybe not some as well, is, um, you know, what's, what's your latest album? Why? That's your ninth studio record, right? uh eighth uh, uh number eighth eighth studio record right yeah yeah we, we we did a deluxe version of one album and we did a live album mm. so uh it's eighth if we're just talking studio albums with new songs and all that yeah we, nicholas and i were talking about that he said eighth i'm like i think it's i think it's ninth and he's like no i think it's eighth so uh <laughs> so, so damn it i lost so yeah <laughs> But, but looking at that time, I mean, um, that's a long time. You guys started out and the band formed in 1999, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's a long time now. That's the uh, that's a lifetime. You know, when it comes to a band. It is. <laughs> 22 fucking years. I mean, you yeah, know, it is. Amazing. Well, the thing the thing is, we, we started out like the project and it was we released an album in 2001 and nothing happened for three years and then we released another album and it took another four years to the next album and we, we didn't gain momentum until like 2015 was things really started happening right started moving so it was more like a project from the beginning really it's more than a band yeah sorry still i also read that which i think is a country that has come alive the last you know 10 or 15 years when it when it comes to rock and roll that you're you're a big band in in spain of all places yeah we are spain embraced us from early on the first time we came there we like it was sold out immediately so that was weird and uh in sweden this kind of music was really frowned upon maybe until 2006 something happened and I think it might have to do something with the, you know, a band called uh, the Poodles. Right. Yeah. They were uh, part of the Swedish uh, uh, Melody Festival, and which is the, uh, is the equivalent to uh, Eurovision. Uh, yeah, Eurovision. Yeah, exactly. And then they paved the way and like showed people, like, oh, this is okay to like this kind of music again. It's it's not a bad thing. So, it, and after yeah. that, things started happening. I, you know, I think, oh, not, well, the thing is that I'm not, and I'm not gonna, you know, not say anything bad about the poodles, but, but that name as well, 
Um, I've, you know, me myself, I, I never liked the name The Poodles and it gave it kind of a, it gave the wrong impression of the band and it might have built over until onto that whole genre uh, with uh, with a name like the poodles it just sounded ridiculous i know i know it's and and they, i think they're uh, before they released albums they were a cover band like doing this yeah. whole thing like a uh, ironic cover band and then uh, they got were part of the eurovision all that and it snowballed from that so yeah disappoint you that that maybe Sweden doesn't embrace this kind of music as much as what they should really i know because there are tons of the bands who always love this genre of music and we're still playing it even in the 90s but um it's 
in Sweden, it's a lot about credibility and uh, uh, you have to prove yourself to be internationally recognized before Sweden will recognize you. So it's a lot of bullshit like that. So uh, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, that yeah. that Yonte's law or whatever it is over here. Um, yeah, yeah, the law. You can you can really feel that, you know, like, um, and it's always happened, you know, from bands is, you know, from the from the Hammerfalls or from the Europe's or whatever like that, um, all the I way know. up to 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 you guys and also newer bands as well. They don't really give them the credit, you know, as uh, as as like they should. I know, I know. I mean, it, it took, like Yngwie, it took him maybe 25 years before he got recognized in Sweden. Everyone was just yeah. hating on him, on, on him before that. So it's, uh, no, it's really hard to. He, he still doesn't but, get the credit. Yngwie doesn't get the credit. Like he's, he's fucking. No. Uh, he's like Eddie Van Halen in, the, in regards to how much impact he's had on the guitar. And he doesn't get the credit for that over here that that he should be. You know, there should be a fucking statue for him, really. In, in, yeah. I know, yeah. I know, I know. It's a uh, well. Some people just like to focus on the bad stuff and just give him credit credit for what he done, what he has done. And yeah, I mean, he's yeah. just as big as Edmund Halen or Jimi Hendrix and all these guys. So, well, I think with I think the the the, the Swedish look at Ingve is that he's very un-Swedish in his way. Exactly. He's, he's, yeah. he's way more he's way more American. You know, he's he's he can go out and say that, you know, I'm really, really good. And that's a yeah. very un-Swedish way to the Swedish thing to do. Right, right. I mean he he grew up in the 70s Sweden when we were a very socialistic country then and like no one could stand out and don't think you you are anything and you're not better than anyone else that was the swedish mentality back then and it didn't work out for him but now people are getting it like yeah he's cool he's he's made a name for himself and it's so people are getting it now slowly absolutely absolutely but a guy like him i mean did he in any way influence you when you started out Oh hell yeah, yeah yeah! Oh absolutely! I mean, there was like I nineteen eighty four or eighty five when I heard him. I was like, "Wow, is this guy really from the same country as me?" I couldn't <laughs> believe it. He was like an alien. I never heard anything like it. And he was just okay. He's just he's from Stockholm, like ten hundred kilometers from where I live. Like unbelievable. Yeah. So and everyone everyone was just bashing on on him all the time. But I was just fuck. This is. Best thing I ever heard. If the stars refuse to shine, I would still be standing by your side. A heart can reach what's out of sight. Be can light up the darkest night. So don't make a whisper, don't make a sound.
When did you first pick up the guitar? Uh, I was about 12 years. Uh, no, nine years. I was nine years old. My dad taught me to play the guitar. He used to be a professional guitarist in the 60s and the 70s. And then he changed his uh, profession to a lawyer so later. So oh. he quit that altogether. And I kind of forced him to, hey, dad, you got to teach me to play some riffs and some guitar progression uh, chord progressions and all that so we all go okay well uh, let's try it and uh <laughs> so that's how we saw but that was the, it was 1981 way before i heard Yngwie the first time so right yeah what what kind of music was he into and what what did he really teach you when it comes to guitars uh, well, I, I I was very into the '60s music because that was that's what he was playing at home all the time. I mean, the Kinks, uh, Beatles, Elvis Presley, so that was the stuff I wanted to learn. Just chord progressions like "She Loves You," yeah, 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 and stuff like that. Right. And then I heard ACDC for the first time. That was my introduction to hard rock music. And I okay, hell, what's what is this? So I. Then I got introduced to riffs. That was a new thing, like riffs. <laughs> <laughs> at at oh, what age was that? What age did ACDC come into, into your vision? Oh, I, I had a cousin who has this mixtape. Uh, on the other side, it was Back in Black. On the, on the other side, it was Highway to Hell. And uh, the moment I heard it, I was completely blew my mind. And I was, okay, hell, this is this is the shit. I mean, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I mean, I never heard anything <laughs> as powerful as that. I was, and I haven't turned back since. So it's, 
it's interesting what a what a what a tiny guy in a school uniform can do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, such power some music can have on young on a kid. I mean, yeah. just change your life. Just it's now it's just programmed into my DNA. I'm just wired with ACDC. Oh, there we go. Wired. I mean, where, where did that title come from? There, there's not a song titled Wired. So how do you go about looking at the song titles and then you end up, well, we're going to call the album Wired. <laughs> well, it, as, as usual, every time it's time for uh, when we make an album, we have, to, okay, now we have to think about a cool album title. And someone in the band came up with Wired. And uh, everyone's like, well, yeah, well, that's not too bad. And we didn't really know what it meant, wired. But then my American wife told me, well, it's wired is a good thing. Yeah, it sounds good. And they, it can be you, you're wired up on anything and you're, it's a positive thing. So, well, it sounds great. Yeah. It's a short name. It looks good. So.
last track on the album, Dead Inside. Yeah. Uh, there's probably no truth in this at all or any connection, but when that when the intro starts, the first yeah. thing I thought of was uh, Wild Child with Wasp from The Last Command. Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you the story behind that. Uh, I, wrote, I wrote a song called Fields of Fire for my other band, Nice of the Realm. And uh, I wrote that after hearing Darken on Chain the Night. You know that song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I know oh, yeah. the band. Yeah, if you, you listen to that song, it starts with some kind of keyboard into boom, 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 boom. And I thought, that's fucking great. So I wrote a, uh, a similar riff on guitar, uh, which I almost stole from Darken. And then later on, we, we wrote that song with Nice Ram, and it was all done. And when I was at Eric's studio, I, I was playing the same riff, or the same rhythm, but different notes, just to see Eric's reaction. And it was like, oh, hell, what was that? What song is that? No, it's not a song. It's I'm just riffing. Oh, we gotta do a song, make a song out of that. Okay, yeah, sure. So it's the same rhythm. Unchain the night, fields of fire, and uh, dead inside. If you listen to them, right? It's just different notes. Right. It's a boom, 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 and it's very similar to Wild Child as well. Right, which we we were very aware aware of that. So, uh, so we try to get the same feeling for that inside as Wild Child because we always love that song. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. It's a great song. That, that's really cool. I didn't see that coming from Dokken. So that's a oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's Check great it how it comes from Dokken to there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Check it out. It's a, exactly the same pattern but different notes right right yeah that's where the whole idea came from well well then saying that how much influence did um did that kind of music you know the uh the late 80s mid 80s kind of hard rock especially for wide you know did you you got any other little secrets in there oh well let me think i mean we all grew up in the beginning of the 80s i mean we were teenagers in the first half of the eighties, and that's probably the time when you're most, what do you say, impressionable. Yeah, yeah, impressionable. Yeah. yeah. So you just everything just goes straight in. Uh, so yeah, let me think. Uh, this is a song called "Run, Run for Cover," and it's it's a it's a lot of Europe and Gary Moore in that one. If you listen to it, that's probably not going to come as a surprise. And uh, what else do we have? Uh, um, Friday, Saturday night. It's a bit of a nod to Hardcore Superstar, the kind of party rock kind of feeling. And uh, the first song, Rose is on your grave, is uh, it's a little Def Leppard. What's the name of that song? Let it run. No, let, oh, let it go. Let it go. That that's the yeah. one. Yeah, it's the kind of the same rhythm. 
and that's usually how we write songs. We it's we hear a song and then oh that's fucking great. How can we make this our own? And then we listen to uh, try to steal the rhythm or whatever it is that makes that song great, and we try to mask it and make it our own. So yeah. It's like we're trying to go into semantics with the whole thing and what makes this song so great, okay? And then we're trying to pinpoint that out and do something our, for ourselves. It's rolling in Like wave a wave of painful wind Like a needle in my vein is rolling in I'm burning up A fever and I have I've been dancing with the flame, I'm burning up. She was like poison, poison inside my heart. She was like poison, poison inside my heart. I can feel it breaking into pieces, picking up the parts. I'm trying to run away, but I won't get far. Your in the 80s as well and and um it is also that it, it, it is a especially when it comes to to metal and hard rock it is a special time there were tons of bands and there were tons of really great melodic hard rock coming out it is it is a special time when it comes to music it, it is absolutely especially from 1980 to 1985 things were really happening and it was heavy metal was so fresh and it was so new and it was cutting edge 
and everyone was like, reinventing themselves, like yeah. Iron, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and all those bands, and except, and then after 85, something happened. We, it was like divided into two camps. Either it got heavier and became thrash metal, or it yeah. became glam. Yeah. Like Aussie became glam on uh, Ultimate Sin and all that. Right. And that's when I lost interest and I moved over more to the thrash side, the harder side. Right. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't like the good looking guys? No, I hated them. <laughs> I fucking hated them. <laughs> I hated all. I hate all that poster bullshit, so I, I can stand that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what well, what was the um, what was the first like big show, big live show that you ever went to? Uh, that was Europe in uh, 1985. Oh, nice! Yeah, they played in Vestros, like 100 kilometers from uh, Stockholm. Right, which the the town which I was living at at the time and uh that was my first introduction to a real uh, kind of big i think it was like three thousand people or something like that but uh, it was mayhem there was just 90 percent chicks because everyone was in love with joey tempest and john norman by the by that time and yeah, it, the pretty boys yeah yeah yeah. that was the pretty boys in sweden so that was my first real big concert i think Right. Well, did you go to a lot of shows in Stockholm or? Uh, not a lot. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I was so young at the time. So my mom wouldn't let me out <laughs> <laughs> unless we had some parental guidance. But I remember yeah. we went to see Martin Crew in 86. At oh, East Stadion. That was a theater of pain tour. Yes, I saw them in Lund. Uh, in Lund. OK, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I thought they were really horrible. Even then, I was 13 years and I like, fuck, they can't play. I mean, dude. and I heard later on that, that they were high and drunk as yeah. hell. It was just yeah. catastrophe. It was not yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it was exciting to see oh, sure. a band like that. Yeah. yeah definitely.
you said that Europe was your first. How important was that for you, especially like John Noren, you know, as being a guitar player in your formative years, learning guitar as well? Oh, very much, very much. I, I thought Europe were a bit corny because they were also like the girls' band because all the girls were listening to Europe. But when I heard them, I was like, damn, they're actually really good. But I, I didn't want to... <laughs> I didn't want to confess, but, but they were really good. But and I and I loved John Orm, of course. He was like a true guitar hero. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't deny him. I mean, no. John Orm has always been one of my favorite guitarists. Yeah. Still to this, still to this day, man. He's he's doing some killer stuff. Still to this oh, day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's just getting better. Actually, his tone is just amazing. And he's one of those guitarists who got the quality that. No matter how slow or fast he plays, it's, it's the same quality in vibrato and tone and uh, taste and all that. So, I mean, we got all these super fast guitarists and all that, but after a certain speed, they lose that quality. I think Ingvi John Norum and Michael Schenker are these guitarists that can, they're always tasteful and soulful and always plays superb no matter what speed they're playing in yeah absolutely the song yeah. the song in a new album there's a song uh, titled bite the bullet you didn't take that title from the from the band vein did you oh wow <laughs> i think there's a lot of there's a hundred songs called bite the bullet i know <laughs> yeah it's a band called bullet they have a song called bite the yeah. bullet yeah <laughs> yeah no, no. The thing when you write lyrics, it's always about it has to sound cool when you're forming yeah. the words in your mouth. By club, all that because when we were working on that song, you always take the first words that come to your mind, and we were thinking like another one bites the dust. But no, we can't have a song called bites the dust. That's Queen, <laughs> right? So we had to change that to another one bites the bullet. And I, I don't even know if that's correct that you can say that in English. Another one bites the bullet. This sounds weird, but it just we just picked whatever sounded good. Because yeah. when yeah. you're singing, you have to have the right vowels and all that to make it powerful. And it's gotta be easy for Eric to sing those words. So that's that has a, has a lot to do with you. normally our lyrics are not very smart we don't <laughs> like, write lyrics because we have something really important to say mm, right. we write whatever sounds good like Dio he was always using the same words uh, rainbow and dark and yeah. night because it sounds good yeah. Yeah. you can always go with fire higher desire oh yeah always that's gonna work <laughs> So how how long were you in the studio for Wired? Um, well, we, we it was not like a long uh, uh, one session. We, we've been doing it in periods. Like let, we write a song and then I'm going home and then come back next week and continue working on that song. So it's been a progress like for a year like working one or two days a week for a year maybe and then it's summer break and all that so you yeah so people have to work in between and make money so 
especially during these corona times. So, I mean, none of us could live, survive as a professional musician anymore. So we have to have uh, side jobs and all that. you and eric when it comes to writing the music yeah it's always been like that but uh now on this last album uh, victor has been a part of the songwriting as well which has been a great fun so because he's he's a songwriter his previous band longfinger he's been writing songs for them so that's a it's been a good change so we can more like a band situation we can throw balls at each other and just so right. yeah, but usually it's always been me, me and Eric. Cool. Uh, didn't you didn't you guys play with uh, Aerosmith in Spain? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we played in Madrid 
it was this insanely big venue, like a, a bullfighting venue. I think it had a capacity of 30,000 people. And we got invited from Rock and Rock, who is the, like the biggest promoter in Spain, like Live, Live, Live Nation over here, uh, to open up. It was Eclipse, Alter Bridge, and uh, Aerosmith. All right. Uh, they were like, do you want to open up for Alter Bridge and Aerosmith? Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, let me check my schedule first and see if I have to do laundry. <laughs> yeah, well, but, did, yeah, that did was... you guys... Did you guys get to meet the uh, the guys in Aerosmith? No, we didn't. They, they were very uh, scarce uh, the whole time. But we shared the same uh, backstage house. And just when we were about to go out on stage, uh, Steven Tyler popped out his head from the door. Have a good show, guys. And then he <laughs> closed the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was That's, cool. Yeah. Um, That's cool. And the funny thing, when... Aerosmith were was about to go on stage. We were like standing behind the stage, trying to watch these guys go up on stage, just to say hey. And no one could see Steven Tyler. And but where, where the hell is he? And all of a sudden, he was on stage singing. And what the hell? Where did he come from? Damn! And then we realized later that uh, the roadies—they were pushing these really big uh, cases, rolling cases up on stage so uh, and then it dawned upon us that okay so steven tyler was in one of those cases he didn't <laughs> want to be seen by all the people backstage right. so they pulled him up on stage on the in that case and then wow. he just popped out like <laughs> that's funny so that was really cool yeah that's very spinal tap man that's really yeah. Spinal tap. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it would have been fun if they wouldn't be able to get up get the case yeah. up and all that <laughs> isn't that um what's that song is it what it takes the aerosmith song where that's part of the video they kind of push them they're all they're in these big boxes i think oh, it's yeah, all, yeah. yeah Maybe, i think it's yeah. what it takes they kind of they lead the whole band in and they push them up on these big boxes no. right oh there you go oh yeah well there you have it we 
else that you uh like who's on your top list to play with what's what's some bands you 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 know you'd really love to play with you know for for other reasons other than playing the big stadiums but for yourself you know yeah i think both eric and i would agree that we would our biggest dream would be to open up for acdc of course because we are the biggest acdc fans ever and uh second would be a white snake yeah okay yep yeah um, besides that, we have opened for uh, Scorpions. We did two gigs for them in Finland. That was amazing. So cool. I'm a huge fan of Scorpions. And we opened up for Deep Purple in 2009. Uh, All right. 12 years ago. Yeah, that was really cool. The old guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were old back then. They were really, they, it was not a very good show, to be honest, but uh, I'm just, be able to open for Deep Purple was cool. It was pretty sure. cool. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm just reading the uh the the Dave Grohl book. And um, oh. yeah, and he's he's right right at the end of the book, there's a paragraph, there's a there's a chapter on ACDC mm-hmm. and um how how much ACDC mean to him. And uh, yeah. he, he goes on and tells this amazing story about when he first heard them and discovered them. But it's it's crazy how that band can affect like you guys in Sweden or me in Australia. Oh, Dave Grohl in America—they're just so globally, so 
you know, yeah. so influential. It's unbelievable. I know. I know. It's And it's all about the music. I mean, ACDC were never pretty guys or anything. They were just ugly bunch of guys yeah. doing rough, tough, hard rock. And uh, But even as a young guy, and it just affected me so much, and it's just, they got under my skin, and I wanted to be their pals, and everyone wants to be their pals. And, uh, yeah. Just they're not normal guys, just working class guys. And, and I think maybe that's why, because a lot of people can relate to that. Hey, we're just True. hardworking, normal guys who have, like to yeah. have beer. Yeah. They're not like these rock gods, untouchable. Well, they are, but they don't feel like untouchable rock gods. They're just no. cool guys. You want to you know them, really. Yeah. And yeah. you feel like you know them. And, and still they've released... They've released the same record over and over and over again. I know. <laughs> and 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 that's a part of why you love them so much. Yeah. You, just, oh, yeah. you know what you're going to get and you... Yeah. But you're it's ne- fucking great. Get... It's great. Every album is great. You know? Yeah, it's, it is. It, it's kind of the same record, but come on, we're, you... you we're all playing the same. We're all playing fucking G chord and C chord and A chord and, and all that. Yeah. They're just... They're they're just playing it a special way, you know. I know, yeah. and I want to I want to hear that G chord until I die. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. I really Absolutely. do. You're, you're not you're not gonna get a uh, Lulu album or The Elder from a band like ACDC. <laughs> oh hell, yeah, that would, I hope not. I sincerely hope not. <laughs> so what's what's the what's the tracks off wide that you're really looking forward to getting out there and and working them on the road? Well, we actually uh, done two gigs already for the new album. Uh, we did our release gig in Switzerland, uh, and we played in. Uh, and we done three gigs, and we played in Mora in Sweden uh, okay. two weeks ago, and we played right. uh, this weekend, last weekend in Norway. Uh, right, a small festival. And I think my absolute favorite song to play is uh, Run for Cover. Damn, I love that song. It has this great uh, Gary Moore feel about it and a lot of good melodies. And I get to do an extended long guitar solo. So I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it's absolutely one of my favorite songs. Love it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you playing Sweden Rock next year? We are, yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought I saw you on the, like thinking about it, I thought I've seen you. You're going to be on the bill. Yeah, and it's it's the same gig we were supposed to do 2020, but it's been post, postponed two times. Right. Now. Yeah. So okay. look forward right. to that very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, congratulations on the new record. It's it's fucking great. Great that oh, you got it out you. there too. And um, yep. and hopefully we can uh, hopefully you'll get some other gigs as well. You know, coming through town. Hopefully soon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of uh, gigs now, but it's quite sporadic uh, uh, because uh, you can't really book a longer tour at the moment if you have to cross borders and all that. Right. Every country, they got their own uh, different restrictions and all that. Yeah. But uh, we're, uh, we're ready to play anytime. So if they call us and want us to play tomorrow, we'll come. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Great. Cool. So, 
Um, thank sure. you so much, man. Have a great night and um, yeah, thank you. And talk to you thank soon. Thank you, guys. Cool. Thank you, man. Good one. Bye. 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 Bye.